Hey all you beautiful creepsters, this is Trisha from Iowa, and this is Sinister Sightings with Donna and Carrie. Remember, creep it real, and don't get scared. I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 159. And you just heard Trisha O introduce us. Uh, my mom's name is Trisha. Well, Patricia, but she goes by Trisha. And uh, Donna calls her Trisher because that's <laughs> how my grandma said it. Trisher. Mm-hmm. So, hello, Trisher. <laughs> Thank you so much for your intro. You have such a soothing voice. If you want to do an intro uh, just like Trisher, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, we're jumping right in today. This one is called Death on the Stairs and Dog Anal Gland Juice. I am intrigued. I am gagging. Hello, gal pals. First, I just wanted to mention that I've changed everyone's name for privacy, also for my safety. I've not disclosed any of the location names. Oh, you can call me Bella. I discovered Yin's The Midwest Y'all while traveling the six hours it takes to get from my college town to my hometown. I quickly became a fan and blew through all the episodes in a matter of a few weeks. I'm all caught up and impatiently wait every week for new episodes to drop. I give my boyfriend summaries of every episode and use your names like we're BFFs. So as I mentioned, I moved away from my tiny ass backwoods hometown to the big old city. Now, when I say tiny ass, I mean it. My town's population is less than 600, smack dab in the middle of a national forest. It's a solid 35 minute drive to Walmart, aka Midwest Heaven, a town where everybody knows your mom and them and nobody locks their doors. It's a simple life, but it's quiet, peaceful, and safe. Now, color me surprised when I went away to college and realized just how different city living is. It sure ain't quiet, and it's opened my eyes to just how unsafe this world can be. Also, I call Walmart hell, not heaven. Definitely agree. I will do Walmart pickup. I will do everything (laughs) to avoid going into that place. (laughs) Okay, now I'll finally get into my damn story. After I graduated college, my boyfriend, Edward, and I moved into a townhouse complex. Every unit is attached, but you have an upstairs and a downstairs, so it felt more like a house than an apartment. It was a very cute little place, and we were excited to be living together, starting our careers. At the time, Edward had just been hired on by the local police department and was going through the academy. He was gone most of the time, going through intense police training, so I had to keep myself busy. I quickly became friends with our neighbor, Jacob. Our front doors were only two feet apart, so we ran into each other daily and always chatted for a bit. Jacob would let our dogs out to pee when we were out of town and collect many, many packages so the local hooligans who frequently stole my mail wouldn't snatch them before I got home. Jacob was a perfect neighbor, and we lived in harmony for seven to eight months. I feel like we need a dun-dun-dun after that. <laughs> Donna, literally, Donna just shook her head in agreement <laughs> instead of saying... Yeah. <laughs> and I kept shaking it. I couldn't say the word. So we have a podcast. They can't see you. <laughs> My dad used to say, I can't hear your head shake whenever I would do that. You can hear mine. Your jowls? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Around this time, Edward had finished up the police academy and now was working on the streets with a training officer. After only a few shifts, he quickly realized how dangerous of an area our cute townhome resided in. It wasn't just hooligan kids stealing Amazon packages like I thought. He would be dispatched to shootings, car thefts, stabbings, and break-ins almost nightly to our area. We began to take extra precautions, like a camera on the front and back and adding more locks to the doors. 
One afternoon, Edward and I were out walking our dogs when I received 20 to 25 face detection notifications from our front door camera, all in a span of five or so minutes. Very, very strange, as we normally would receive four to five a day. So I opened the camera footage to see a fire truck, ambulance, police cars, and several uniformed first responders all standing in front of our door. Naturally, I cranked the live camera footage volume up and we listened in as we raced home. All I could really make out in the chaos was Jacob saying his name and date of birth to the officers. We pulled up into the complex and Edward went to speak to his police colleagues about the situation. They couldn't release very much information at the time, but just that a dead male body was found in Jacob's home. I scanned the parking lot looking for Jacob, but only saw a few of his friends sobbing and comforting each other on the sidewalk. We hurry inside and get out of the way and watch the live footage on our camera. I hear Jacob's voice giving the police a statement, but he is just out of the camera's view. Then the body is wheeled out the front door, past the camera, and is loaded into the coroner's van. We sat quietly for a minute and said a prayer for whoever was in the body bag. The investigators follow the body out of the door with bags of evidence. The scene quiets down after a few hours and eventually everyone's gone. I go knock on the door to see if Jacob is home to check on how he's doing and figure out what the frack happened but no answer. Edward says he probably was made to stay somewhere else tonight in case he needed to come back to the scene. The next night, Jacob is still not home, and Edward heads back off to work. So I'm left alone, sitting in the living room, watching TV with my doggos. Suddenly, they jump and start howling at the staircase. I holler at them to quiet down because I'm now freaked the frack out. Then the stairway lights begin to flicker. It blinked for about 10 seconds, then stopped. My heart was pumping so loud in my ears. I could no longer hear the comforting banner of Michael Scott in the background. I called my dogs to the couch and covered us all with my quilt. We hid under there watching TikToks until I calmed down enough to move. It was about 1 a.m. when Edward calls me. He says he found out what happened next door and begins to unfold the story. He says, according to the police report, Jacob's brother, Charlie, tells police that he hadn't heard back from Jacob in over three days. He was growing concerned, so he came to the house and banged on the door for several minutes with no response. He went around back and tried to break in the door, but was unsuccessful. The next morning, he was able to get into the home and finds Jacob dead in the upstairs hallway. This is when he makes a 911 call and police, firemen, ambulance, and coroner arrive. Jacob's cause of death was listed as a drug overdose, inhalants, and cocaine. All those bags of evidence the investigators left at the scene were cans of aerosol spray that Jacob had been inhaling. They collected over 70 cans, all purchased within four days of Jacob's death from several different locations. They also found large amounts of cocaine that Jacob had been selling out of his home. According to the coroner, Jacob had been dead for approximately four days before his body was found by Charlie in the hallway underneath the staircase light. As I previously mentioned, our units were attached to each other and the layouts directly mirrored one another, meaning Jacob's staircase and ours were only separated by a thin wall. So every day for four days, we were only inches away from Jacob's lifeless 26-year-old body needing our help. I remember when I heard Jacob speaking on the camera to police, Edward was able to listen to the 911 call and heard how identical Jacob's voice was to his brother's. It was Charlie all along. Over the next three months, Jacob's home sat empty. However, I frequently heard noises coming from next door. His stairs would creak like someone was walking up them. I would hear the interior doors open and close. Blinds that Jacob had left closed were now open. I was also having very vivid dreams of Jacob standing at the top of my staircase. These dreams would wake me from the dead in a cold sweat. Eventually, a family moved into Jacob's home. They seemed nice at first. Then we started noticing things were unsettling. 
They would leave their puppy outside tied up on a chain for days with no food or water. I would provide when I noticed, don't worry. And I would knock on their door repeatedly to let the dog in, but they wouldn't even bother to come to the door. I would hear them fighting, throwing things, and their poor baby girl screaming for hours and hours nightly while they threw parties. My front door camera caught images of all kinds of people coming and going at all hours of the night. One night around 5 a.m., I was awoken by a detective asking for my camera footage from the previous night. Cleaning out the sleep crust from my eyes, I logged into the app and showed the officer all the motions detected from the night before. I sat there absolutely shocked seeing what unfolded right outside my door during the night. The camera caught images of several men pointing very large guns. Then you hear my neighbor screaming at his girlfriend slash mother of his child saying, I'll kill you, bitch. I will kill you. You don't know nothing. They arrived back on our camera an hour later, all laughing, no weapons in sight. As it turns out, there was a shooting in the parking lot of Walmart that night, just down the street from our home. Walmart security cameras and my camera footage sets up the exact timeline where my neighbors beat up his girlfriend, takes the baby. Why the fuck he felt it necessary to take a baby to a parking lot shooting, I'll never understand. Arrived at Walmart with his armed friends and shooting a young male suspected to be penance for a past argument. Then they went inside Walmart to get some snacks, being caught on all the damn cameras. Fortunately, the young man who was shot was rushed to the hospital and made a recovery. My neighbor was arrested later that day in a stolen vehicle in possession of several drugs and a stolen weapon. The exact weapon that was just fired a few hours earlier at Walmart. Who was the arresting officer, you may ask? Edward. So naturally, we had to hightail it out of our beloved townhome ASAP. I would share the loser's real name and charges. However, he's still awaiting sentencing, and I don't want to mess anything up. I also don't want any of these losers' friends coming after me, as they're all being locked up for other shootings that occurred around this time. I'll report back once he's sentenced, hopefully locked away for a good long while. There are a bunch of other really crazy details, but this has become way longer than anticipated, so I'll just keep to the pertinent information. Thanks for reading my story of how my wonderful neighbor met his tragic end and then slightly haunted me. Then this place was taken over. Then his place was taken over by the human equivalent of dog anal gland use, eventually forcing you to move to the next town over in fear of your life. Invest in cameras. Keep it weird. Bella. It took me way too long to realize that Bella and Edward, like... Um, I didn't until you just said oh, that. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> I was like, I wonder why she chose Edward as... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, I didn't get it until you said that. Also, um, yes, invest in cameras because they give you hours of entertainment watching your bulldog <laughs> lay on the couch. And, you know, help solve crimes. Yes. Holy shit. I am so sorry for your neighbor, though. Oh, my God. I know. How freaking scary. And that, yeah, your lights on your stairs flickered. And that's where he was found. But that's how my sister Casey and I are. We sound so identical that if you didn't know that about us, you wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to tell us apart. Yeah. Like, sometimes um, I intentionally answer her phone and... Like, when her husband calls, like, I'll answer it and just be like, hey. And he, it'll take him a minute to realize who's talking. <laughs> also, get you some with that fucking man in uniform. <laughs> and also, fuck those people leaving the dog. I mean, there's so many things to say yes. about that story, but, like. And their child. Took the child to a fucking shooting? Right? Yeah, that, whew, a lot to unpack. The next one is Mind Blown Scary AF. Dearest spooky-ass bitches, just found you on Stitcher. Love you. Love your show. Okay, so first off, shit happens to me. 
all the time. And I'm weirdly psychic in many ways. One of my special talents is having dreams with messages for other people. Here's one example. I had a dream that a man I did not know was telling me, look at my hands, look at my hands. He's showing me his hands, turning them over and over, finally resting them on top of each other. I wake up and I'm like, okay, whatevs, weird. At the time, I was dating a guy I'll call Jackass because he's a jackass. Anyway, maybe a month after this dream, Jackass invites me to his brother's house for a party. Oh, great, meeting the family, something I avoided at all costs. But I went because it was a crab boil. Girl, I am never going to turn down a crab boil in San Francisco. I'm scared to meet the family because I know I'm not going to marry Jackass. Turns out his brother's family is lovely. His wife is totally chill and we instantly connected. They have two daughters in high school, gorgeous girls, and one is taking a photography class. I only mention that because it's important to the story. So anyway, I'm in the kitchen helping out with the sister-in-law, and on their fridge, there are several photos of hands. Different hands holding the same hands. It was very creative, and I had seen those hands before. Ooh. I commented on her daughter's artistic photographs, and she says, My daughter arranged for everyone in the family to have photos taken of them holding hands with my dad, their grandfather. I pull her aside and I tell her about my dream. Mind you, I just met these people, but I have to reveal my weirdness. She's in tears and pulls me and the daughters in a bedroom and says to me, tell them, tell them. So I tell the girls my dream. He was insistent that I remember what his hands look like. Obviously, so I would recognize them when I met the family. The daughter explained that her beloved grandfather was so sick with cancer that she could not bear to have photos of him in that state. So she creatively took photos of everyone holding his hands. He passed away shortly after. A lovely tribute to their grandfather. They asked me how, why, a total stranger would have this dream. I told them that these kind of things happened to me and that my thought was that this was the message to say, I'm fine, I love you, and it's okay. Cool, right? But that's not the scary story. This one is. I have a friend who used to be my roommate. She's bipolar with schizophrenic tendencies, meaning she has manic episodes followed by depression and sometimes in between she hears voices in her head, mostly bad people or demons, as she calls them, plotting against her. I witnessed firsthand her struggles with the disease and her bizarro stories about, I don't know, voices, dreams. She would be terrified and I would always remind her that it was a disease, not real. It only happened when she was off her meds. It wasn't that often. Okay, so she has an older sister who is seriously loaded. I mean, like Google rich. She has a beautiful mansion in the hills of California. Her sister and family were going away for a week and asked my friend to watch their dog and stay at the house. My friend asked me if I would stay with her. Uh, yeah, infinity pool overlooking a vineyard, jacuzzi, wine cellar. Seriously, plush. We go through the whole security thing with the sister, the codes to the fence, the garage, what days the maid and the landscapers come, food, dog schedule, you know, the typical stuff. My friend takes one of the upstairs bedrooms and I opted for the guest room that opened to the pool. Yeah, nice. This house is huge. There are intercoms at each level, and it's important to know that I don't know how to fucking use it. The first night, we had a party with just a few friends, and we had a blast. 
But I was also very aware of what was going on, like checking that the gate and the garage doors were locked. I kept the dog, Jackson, a beautiful Vizsla. I don't know. So rich we don't even know the dog brand. (laughs) The dog brand, I said. (laughs) Jesus. But she kept him close. Our guests left at a decent hour. And again, I'm obviously looking out the windows to make sure the gates are locked and the garage doors, five of them, are closed. My friend takes her meds, which totally knock her out. And she goes upstairs. She might as well have just gone to the next town. I had no idea the layout of the vast upstairs. And frankly, the hugeness of this house was creeping me out. I wanted the dog to stay with me. But no, he went with his auntie. I I never say auntie. I don't know why I did. I don't either. I try out the intercom thingy, but I don't know how to work it. So I decide I'll just text my friend if I need anything. But I already know she's out. I get settled in the guest room and it took a while for me to get to sleep. I'm laying on my side when I'm startled awake by a sensation of someone, something next to me. I can't move and I'm trying to adjust my eyes. What the fuck am I looking at? It's a man laying right up next to me. I can feel and smell his rotten, putrid breath on my face. His eyes are pitch black, black and staring right into me. I cannot move. I cannot scream. I am paralyzed. He grabs my nipple. Seriously. Pinching my freaking nipple. And he bears his rotten teeth at me. And he says, now let's get this party started. Oh, man. I still get chills remembering that. This guy. This guy. I, I know it's a demon. I ain't seen a demon, but I know this is it. Somehow I get out of the bed and I get to the kitchen. I'm flipping out, yelling for my friend. I forget my phone's in the bedroom and it's 4 a.m. I look outside. All the garage doors are open. Oh, hell no. I run upstairs, down hallways, looking into each room until I find my friend and the dog. I'm hysterical. Call the police. Call the police. My friend's still groggy from her meds and I'm freaking out because I cannot seem to convey to her what really happened. Finally, I said, I believe you now. A demon was just in the bed with me. I can still smell him and feel his fingers pinching harder and harder on my one nipple. She starts saying a prayer and I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. We both go downstairs with the dog and I tell her all the garage doors are open. We both look and holy shit, they're closed. The sun comes up and it's a little less tense, but still. She comes with me to the bedroom, holding her rosary and saying the Lord's Prayer. I get my stuff and I tell her, I'm sorry, but I got to get out of here. This girl was not fazed by this. Instead, she was calling on all her saints to protect her. She got a priest friend of hers to come and bless the house with holy water that day. She stayed in that big old house by herself. I guess all that worked because she didn't have anything happen to her and she wasn't even scared. I never went back there. Not even when her sister threw a birthday party for her. Nope. I never had anything scary like that happen to me again so far. I still think that somehow her demons got to me, even though I know or thought I knew it was all part of her mental illness. I still have my weird psychic things, but nothing scary as fuck as that. Thank God. No, really. Thank you, God. Creeping it real. Tess from California. I mean, I guess something could have been attached to her if I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but that is scary as fuck. Also, though, infinity pool. I mean, I was hung up on the teeth, but okay. Five-car garage? Intercom system? I mean, my uh, Alexa acts as an intercom system. I'm just not quite sure how to activate it. (laughs) Much like you with an intercom system in this house that costs more than my life. (laughs) But, ugh, seriously. 
Also, going back to the the sweet one, um, that is a very sweet way to remember someone who you don't want to remember in their frail state and have pictures of them where, you know, it's like, don't remember me this way. But that that's a sweet way to keep that memory of them. Yeah. Also, it reminds me of Beaches when she's like looking for her mom's hands. Yes. Oh, gosh. I'll just say yes every time. Okay. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, from the sand lots over here. Did I just say sand lots? It's just the one lot. It's okay. Okay, moving on. The next one is true crime. They did exclamation points, so I thought it deserved it. Hey, ladies, it's Megan. This is probably my fifth or sixth story emailed in, and this time I thought I'd go with a personal brush of true crime I had had, or at least something that could have been. I don't really know, to be honest. This story is called Traffic in McDonald's. When I was in fifth grade, I went to a baseball game with a few friends and one of my friend's dad. After the game, we decided to go to McDonald's for some ice cream. Me, being the little freeloader that I am, decided to get an Oreo McFlurry. Of course, everyone else got a vanilla cone. I took my fair share of, are you serious, look for my friends. I have anxiety, so I basically spent the rest of the time stressing that everyone was mad at me for picking the most expensive item. I was so stressed that when a random 56-year-old man approached our table, the realization of what he was saying didn't sink in until the next day. Now, I can fully appreciate the situation I was in and how dangerous it is being a child, woman, and vulnerable person. The man looked at all four of us girls eating our ice cream. I don't even want to know what was going through his sick mind, but he looked at my friend's dad and said, You got a bunch of good-looking girls here. I can show you how to make some good money off of them. Uh Uh-uh. My friend's dad looked at the man uneasily and laughed along with him. I think he was more dumbfounded that some rando would come up and offer him to get involved in some illegal business. The man excused himself to the bathroom and said he'd be back to talk when he was out. As soon as the bathroom door closed, my friend's dad looked at us and said, Hurry up, let's get in the car and go. I don't think any of us realized what was happening except my friend's dad. To this day, we occasionally share the memory and note how scary that could have been. This man had ill intentions, and hopefully this story can bring some awareness to everyone about human trafficking. Don't trust anyone. Human traffickers are often grooming their victims beforehand, or they will use a bait-and-switch situation where someone may seem injured, and sometimes even other women are involved in the luring. I just want to say to everyone, I'm from a relatively large city in Iowa, and we were approached in a public place. Please do not underestimate the intentions of others. And go with your gut. It's always right. If you feel like you're in danger, trust that. Thanks for sharing my story, Megan. Okay, and tell me that you, um, like, at the beginning of that, when his first part of his sentence was, like, creepy, but it's something you'd heard before. Like, you got a bunch of fine-looking young girls with you here. You know what I mean? Like, I can so see many a men saying that, but then this guy took it to a whole nother inappropriateness. Yes. Like, you in danger, girl. Right? (sighs) And you know, the sad thing is he's used that line before and it worked. You know, it has because he wouldn't have just nonchalantly said it like that. Oh, I mean, maybe he would have. I don't know. Sometimes people are the fucking worst. Sometimes they rise to the occasion and sometimes you want to punch them in their trachea. Yes. Well, I'm very glad that your friend's dad was like, uh, no, let go. Well, hello, ladies. Need to tell you that y'all make me snort when I laugh, which means it's a biggie when it happens. Sounds weird, but it really is a compliment. I swear. This is Wendy from the armpit of Cali Fresno. My auntie just passed away, so I got a love story for you. My mom's younger sister was three years younger than her, and after her, there were no girls in the family till me. Yes, I know. I'm the precious baby girl. 
We all called my aunt Sissy, even her twin brothers who are less than a year older than my oldest brother. We adored her and her hubby Flake. They got married 49 years ago. They had no kids, and when they got to spend their days with us, we had the best times. My auntie and I were so close that my mom was jealous because I always had to spend a good chunk of my time just hanging out with my aunt when we visited, even though my mom was and is my best friend. She knew how important it was having an older female to talk to besides your mom. When mom got cancer, I felt her pushing my mom away, which hurt mom so much and pissed me off. But I still spent time with her. But when mom died, Sissy stopped talking to me. That hurt almost as much as losing my mom. Also, because just five months before we lost my gram, her mom too. Three months ago, Sissy was on my mind and I couldn't figure out why. Sometimes I can just sense them being around or... It might be a special day or just a hey there if they have passed, but something else if they're still around. So on April 15th, my cousin called me to tell me that Sissy was in a coma and wasn't going to make it and that there was going to be a video conference call in her room the next night. She didn't last that long. Her husband told me that she loved all of us so much, but her depression just took over and it wasn't me. The night she passed, I felt air swirling above me and I think it was her. A couple of days later, I received a few of her things. When I wore her earring, I saw her reflection in my mirror smiling, and I heard her, I love you, darling, which is what she always said to me. I thanked my uncle for letting me know what was going on with her, because I feel like I have her back. She's in my corner like she always was. P.S. You can say my name. Man, depression is awful. It really is. Because it really was like you lost two people. Yeah, three people. Yeah, I was about to say that. Well, actually three, but God. That's really hard. But I'm glad that you got her back. Even yeah. not the way that you had hoped, but. Right. I'm so sorry for your loss, though. Gosh. Why does it always come in, like, patterns like that? Okay, the next one is wake up. Hello, my beautiful Southern Queens. It's your number one garden hoe, Jen, the suburban farmer. Writing in with a story I hope you both and the Creep family find to be comforting. I have a little time off for the 4th of July and thought I would send in a story or two. This one is not so much on the scary side, but will give you all the feels. So let's jump right in. My maternal great-grandparents lived in a house on Leland Avenue in Waco, Texas. They, They purchased a few years after they were married in 1930. When my granddaddy died in 1983, my great grandma, Amalie Moses, would see him in the house. She could smell his coffee brewing in the morning. She caught glimpses of him in the mirror over the kitchen sink as she washed dishes. Her two daughters, Peggy and Jackie, also had experiences with Granddaddy after he passed. Granddaddy often found ways each day to look after his family, even from the other side. Roughly 1991-ish, my great-grandmother went about her day of completing her errands. She stopped at the grocery store to pick up a cream soda and buy some stamps and then head home for an afternoon nap. She said that she laid down and fell asleep quickly. She felt a hard shake like someone was standing over her, shaking her by the shoulders. She opened up her eyes to see Granddaddy and heard Granddaddy say, Wake up, get up. And just like that, she woke up, opened her eyes, which happened to be fixed on the three inch or so gap in her bedroom door where she saw a man quietly making his way down her hallway. 
She was able to roll over, grab the phone, and call 911. About that time, the intruder opened her door and came at her with a random weapon. She fought him off, and he ran after realizing that the police had been called. Later, the police told my great-grandmother that the only reason she had a fighting chance was because the intruder didn't catch her while sleeping. She had been up on her feet and had just enough time to dial 911 and caught the guy off guard. The police came, and they never found the guys. Great-grandma got burglar bars two weeks later, but she got pretty ones that looked just a little less like prison. Two years later, granddaddy's daughter, Jackie, experienced a similar visitation in the middle of the night and woke up to smoke in her house. He saved her from sleeping through a fire that had ignited in the kitchen. Thanks, granddaddy. Jennifer P. Holy shit. I mean, he, like, legit saved her life. Yes, both of them. True. Can you imagine, though, like... Being like, oh, wake up. Okay. Okay. And then like, wait, what was that? Oh my gosh. Because one, when I open my eyes, I'm like, oh, and then like close them again a little bit. Just like. Yeah. But if you, you would have been like, jolt, she was like jolted away. Yeah. It just would have been a little bit different. Thanks, granddaddy. For real. That's so scary. What's also scary is that they never caught the guy who broke For in. For real. Ugh. Okay, the next one is lots of death and a visit to New Orleans. Hey girls, my name is Gigi and I'm 25 years old from Vancouver, Canada. Anyways, I have a few stories I thought you two would like. So I know everyone says they had a rough 2020, but mine was real bad. My mom passed away on September 17th from an overdose, and this year my dad passed away on September 16th from cancer. And exactly a week after, my grandpa, my dad's dad, passed away from dementia. My mother and father separated when I was really young, but my mom never got over my dad. The fact that their death dates were so close together, I wanted to get your guys' input on what you think that means. They were both very witchy. My mom taught me how to do tarot cards, and my dad was a green witch. A few months after my mom's passing, my manager mentioned that there was a random gift that had been left, and no one knew who it was for, and for some reason, I felt the need to take a look, and it was from my mom to me. It had a card that read Petunia Raspberry, her nickname for me, and it was filled with beauty supplies, a classic mom gift. It was so sweet. So after all that death and throwing a breakup on top of that, plus a pandemic, I was pretty depressed and wanted to run away. I'm an exotic dancer, and the clubs in Canada have been closed for two years now because of COVID, so I've been out of work, alone at home with my thoughts, and it sucked. My favorite porn star lives in Miami, and he suggested that I come down and visit, and I decided to take him up on his offer. I was supposed to go there for two weeks, but I found a club that I loved working at out there, and I ended up staying for six months. I found a cute apartment by the beach, and I had my little fur baby, Violet, flown down here when I knew I'd be staying longer. Porn guy is awesome, he's spooky, and he took me to Universal Studios, and we may have gotten a little freaky at Hogwarts. (laughs) During that time, I was able to heal, finally dance again, make friends, but most importantly, I got to visit New Orleans. I love, most importantly, I got to visit (laughs) New Orleans. (laughs) So, of course, I had to stay at a haunted hotel on Bourbon Street, and I, of course, brought my cat. The second we entered the hotel room, I confidently said, Okay, listen, I'm okay with you guys being here, but don't show yourself to me because I will pass out. Shortly after that, the faucet turned on, and I assumed that was a sign that we had come to an agreement. My cat was chasing things around the room I couldn't see and would stare up into the corner of the walls and meow at things that weren't there. 
It's not only the buildings that are haunted, but the actual streets itself are haunted as well due to yellow fever and all the floods from the cemeteries and, of course, Katrina. Walking down the streets at night definitely give you goosebumps. As an American Horror Story fan, I had to make one of my first stops the LaLaurie Mansion. How do we say that you actually say it? LaLaurie. LaLaurie, yeah. And holy fucking shit. That place is no joke. It was around midnight and I walked from Bourbon Street to the mansion all by myself. The actual building itself gives you the most unsettling feeling and I was overwhelmed with sorrow. I didn't dare touch the building, but I did take a few pictures. Walking back to Bourbon Street, I felt like something was following me. I could feel a dark presence, but every time I turned around, there was nothing there. Finally, I turned around and said, you picked the wrong bitch, leave me alone. And I made my way back to Bourbon feeling a little lighter. When I got back to my hotel that night, I experienced the worst dread I've ever felt in my entire life. I felt such deep sorrow, I just sat in the bed and cried. I felt like I wasn't even in control of my body or my thoughts. The next day, I went straight to Marie Laveau's house of voodoo to get myself a protection spell. While I was at the shop, I had a wonderful reading using runes, which was new for me, and there was an altar for Marie Laveau where you could leave offerings, and for some reason, I felt the need to leave her my favorite scrunchie. Later that day, I was on a ghost tour, and we stopped at Marie Laveau's house, and I noticed that there were hundreds of scrunchies tied to the bars on the windows of her home, and I had absolutely no idea that was a thing, so that was pretty cool too. I have tons of other stories, but this email is already too long, but I hope you like them, and I have many more. Thanks, girls. Gigi. That's so funny because I went to the LaLaurie house, and I didn't feel that at all. Hmm. Did you go at during the day or at night? Night. Oh. But, I mean, that just shows you, though, I'm not in tune with that kind of shit, though. And, like, so everybody's experiences are yeah. going to be different based on what they're in tune to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, I'm saying it's a me thing that I didn't experience it, you know, because I'm just not, well, in tune for the 17th time. <laughs> well, I'm really sorry about all your loss. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that, about exotic dancers, like, it being closed. I Right. I mean, you know, like everything that was closed for COVID, but like there's just things that you just never, it didn't dawn on you if that's not part of your everyday life. Right. But I'm really glad. Well, you had a friend who helped you, you know, like get freaky. <laughs> he showed you his wand, you know. Okay. Good one, though. <laughs> and I don't know what it means about them dying basically like a year, like a year apart. I can't do the math, so I don't know if it was a year less like a day less than a year or a day more than a year apart i don't know but i don't know what that means honestly i guess just that they were so like they were so succinct because you you always hear that about like couples that have been together forever and they die you know just a little bit apart like heck uh george hw bush and barbara bush you know but she's saying that they were separated i know but they she still loved him that much yeah she said she never got over him but she died first. Oh, never mind. Okay. okay, bye. Well, maybe he loved her and he didn't know it. <laughs> you don't know what's in his heart. Okay. Okay, the next one. The next one's called Ghostic. Hey, y'all. I've sent in a few stories before and decided after a long break that it was time for one more. Today, I'll be telling you one of my personal paranormal stories while listening to the 100th episode of Sinister Sightings. Congrats, girlies. You did it. Yay! The story started in 2016. Just to help you understand my confusion, my family built our house in August of 2016, and we've been the only people living in our house. 
no one before, and there hasn't been anyone after. I've looked up and read about the history of the land we built on, but there's absolutely nothing. The whole thing starts around December 2016, one week after Christmas. My dad had a massive GI bleed that puts him in the hospital where doctors desperately try to get blood into him as he had lost too much and was barely conscious. For some reason, my dad was able to come home before the cost would increase due to the new year. So thankfully, my dad got to come home. Well, anyway, we aren't going to go into that part of the story more as the rest is not relevant and I could not bring myself to type it out. About a week after my dad came home, I started to feel a change in my house. If I got up at night to use the bathroom, I would feel sudden fear, which caused me to walk downstairs to the powder room. The upstairs bathroom was not the only room in the house that changed, though. Let's move to my bedroom. The closet, cliche I know, was kept shut 24-7 because there was a dude. And not a whole dude at that. Sorry, Mom, I know you'll hear this. I swear I did not summon any demons or use a Ouija board. The entity was missing everything from the waist down, along with his left arm. He would move things around and cause a ruckus when I was around, and I swear he would do it for the sole reason of pissing me off. There was one night I had a few of my friends over, pre-COVID times, bliss, and he threw one of my crutches out of my closet onto the floor right in front of me. Now, I went straight to yelling at him, as this is normal by this point, forgetting that there are two confused, frightened, weirded-out girls behind me on my bed. Now, by this point, I named my ghost Joseph, as he had no name. So here I am, standing in the middle of my bedroom, screaming like a maniac, using hand gestures as if I were drawing in the air, telling Joseph he needs to grow up and not act like a dumbass. I went to sit on my bed and turned around to see my friends. I burst out laughing, silently hoping they won't convince my parents to admit me to a psych ward. We ended up laughing it off and forgot about the incident. Over the next few months, Joseph started to grow back his limbs. By 2009, sorry, long skip, I was in a better place mentally and Joseph was a full body. Me and Joseph had become buddies, although he never and still never talked. I found ways to communicate with him and he somehow became younger. Before, when Joseph first appeared, he seemed 21 at the oldest, and now 17 at the oldest. And wowza, is he like a hottie. Okay, Benjamin Button. <laughs> they said, like, I'm a 16-year-old girl, and if I could hook up with a ghost, I would. <laughs> anyway, back on topic. He will smile, wink, shrug, wiggle his eyebrows, all the jazz when I talk to him. Okay. His snarky looks, suspicious smirks, and goofy smiles and all give the answers themselves. We are now to the point where I spend most of my time in my room just to spend time with him. We will sit on my bed together while I read, and he will occasionally peek at a page or two, and will make fun of people outside of my bedroom window. He recently, like a month ago, started laughing, like a wholehearted, genuine, sweet laugh. The kind you hear when someone throws their head back and grabs their chest or a chair next to them to keep them steady. Oh, like a hearty laugh. He also just started leaving my bedroom, but I'm still the only one who can see him. As I'm typing this on my couch with all my family around, he's behind the couch with his arms bent on my shoulders, hands holding up his head, and he reads what I say about him. I feel like he came at a time when I needed a friend, and even if he scared me at first, he's helped me a lot. And don't think I'm going to leave you without a description. He looks of Jamaican descent, but the ass won't confirm if my theory's right. He has blue, almost gray eyes and brown curly locks, amazing hands, a slim, toned body with muscles and a six-pack, and he also has freckles. He has a cute button nose, long eyelashes, perfect eyebrows, a very prominent Adam's apple, a firm, tender, warm, comforting hug. 
Oh, an Adam's apple is so sexy. Anyway, this is really long, but I felt like the pod could use some more happy ending ghost stories. You can use my real name as I'm not afraid of someone knowing I have a ghost. Sorry, friends. Thanks for reading, Riley. P.S. I asked for Donna if someone could potentially hook up with a hot ghost, and he smirked and winked before walking away. I think that's your answer. Okay, then. And you asked for me. Okay, girl. Yeah, I think you asked for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go a little mama bear here and say, um, sorry, Joseph, but you need to be careful because he's morphing into what you find attractive. That's not who he originally showed himself to be. Oh, that's true. So he's changing before your eyes. So why is he changing? But maybe he's changing because she's changing Mm. and like he came at a point in her life where she was like down and stuff and she said she's gotten better and so he's gotten better. I mean, I don't know that. So maybe some of our um, witchy friends in the group can help because that is beyond my pay grade. I don't know shit about shit. But my gut says, please be careful. Yeah, seriously. But reach out in the Facebook group because there's so many people who know way more than I do and have been doing this for a long time and can help guide you because I don't know. But Again, my gut says be careful. I mean, if he is who he says he is, I'm happy for you and your ghost. But if he's not who he says he is, I need you to be careful. Yeah. Donna went straight to get that D. And I went straight to, uh... That's so our personalities, though. Yes. (laughs) But your mom listens, too. That's cool. Yeah, for real. But yeah, like Carrie said, make sure you're safe. We always joke about stuff, but, I mean, we are not experts, so... Yeah, we just have a podcast about it. It doesn't mean we know shit. <laughs> so please just keep your guard up. But thank you for sharing with us. Yes, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't want, I want me to like rain on your parade and like, I don't know. I just want you safe. And also thank you for asking, I mean, for yourself, but also thinking about me and my needs. All right. Finishing with a funny paranormal croc story. Hey ladies, my name's Angela, she, her, and I'm from Missouri. A few months ago, I found your podcast and have been making my way through the episodes ever since. Y'all are so funny, I had to join the Patreon. The story I wanted to write, y'all, was actually told to me by my cousin, and while her and I have had a ton of other more scary paranormal experiences, this has to be my favorite and the one I think about the most. A little background on my cousin She got her degree in art and really likes photography. So picture this, Texas on a hot summer day, the threat of swamp ass lurking on the horizon. My cousin decided that she wanted to take some artsy fartsy pictures in the middle of a field of about knee high grass would not be me, I'm an inside girl. Also, she clearly doesn't listen or watch any true crime shit because she's just going out in nature all by herself. Again, couldn't be me. Well, she sets up all her stuff and is about to start taking pictures when she hears someone walking up to her. She then hears a little girl ask, Ma'am, can you tell me how to get to the park? I want to swing. She turned and saw a girl about six or seven in a light pink shirt. My cousin told her how to get to the park without even thinking about it. The girl thanked her and walked past her. My cousin turned back to her camera and thought, what the fuck just happened? First of all, where the fuck was that kid's parent? Second, the park was probably a good mile away. She turned around to see if she could catch up with the girl and maybe call her parents or the police. But when she looked back, the girl had vanished like a fart in the wind. 
If the girl was walking or even running, she still would have seen her because she was in the middle of a big-ass fucking flat field and the grass wasn't that tall. She told me that when she had turned to the girl, she felt a calmness fall over her and that's why she was fucking around telling this little girl to walk a mile by herself instead of asking where the fuck her parents were. At this point, she had realized what had just happened But in the off chance that she was wrong and not wanting to be a shithead adult who let a lost little girl just walk off by herself, she quickly packed up her things and ran to her car. As she drove to the park, she kept her eye out for the little girl but didn't see her. When she finally got to the park, she got out. Sitting on one of the swings was a tiny fucking baby croc. Just one in the same light pink color as the little girl's shirt. And it was the only swing that was slightly rocking back and forth. While other people might have been confused or fear farting at this point, my cousin just laughed because this little shit had sent her on a wild ghost chase to find a baby croc. This was super short, but I hope y'all enjoyed this story and maybe I'll send in my scarier stories sometime. I even have some true crime. Creep it real and don't get scared, Angela. P.S. I've been listening to a lot of your earlier episodes where you talk about the Dybbuk box a lot. I go to the school where it was kept for a while. We even have a replica of it and some people think it may have cursed the school. Oh shit. Damn. That's wild. But also, she better be glad that that wasn't a black eyed kid. True. I loved your couldn't be me. <laughs> Without in the field, couldn't be me. Was doing this, couldn't be me. Meanwhile, I'm like, did the croc fit her? I'm just kidding. You know that's my uh house shoes. Mm-hmm. But seriously, though, like, what about it? One little croc on the swing that matched that little girl. What if she really was missing, though? And that was that girl's spirit trying to get someone to look for her. Okay, I took it to a true crime. Uh, yeah, I'm like, can we just leave it with a cute little croc on the swing? <laughs> Damn, y'all had some good stories this week. Y'all did. And a lot of them were sentimental. Thank y'all so much for sending all these stories. If you want your story read on an episode, send it in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.